We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if it's the Super Bowl. It doesn't matter if it's preseason. The Kansas City Chiefs beat the San Francisco 49ers. This time the score is 19-16. What's everybody? What's up? Thank you guys so much for spending a little bit of time with us. My name is Ken Swanson. This is the KC Laboratory postgame show presented by Emprise Bank. Again, the Kansas City Chiefs winning 19-16. A lot of fun. We are here at Fielder's Choice in Wichita hanging out, closing out our day in Kansas City. Had a lot of fun, you know, getting to go to Emprise Bank for the pregame show. And now we are doing a, a postgame show here for uh, the first final, you know, our first look at this Kansas City Chiefs team, the 2021 version, looking to be the first team in a while to make it to three straight Super Bowls. Craig Stout, Maddie Lane are with me. What is good, Craig? Uh, everything's good. I got to see my good pals Kent Swanson and BJ Kissel today. That was wonderful. Got to hang out at Emprise Meet, the one of the major sponsors of the KC Laboratory and KCSN in general. So that was awesome as well. So uh, overall, good day. But it would have been better if my good pal Maddie Lane at Chief in <laughs> Carolina was there. Maddie, how are you? How did you enjoy the preseason football tonight? Listen, on the back of the legs of Shane Buchel, we are here as <laughs> champions, undefeated, as Craig Stout called when I asked him who was going to score the game-winning touchdown. He said Shane Buchel, and I mocked him. I made fun of his decision. I said there was zero chance. Well, for the first time, I was incorrect. And so now <laughs> we just have first to move time on. Ever. <laughs> and just do the rest of this live show knowing that your Chiefs are now one to know but I am 0-1. <laughs> well, guys, we uh, we have five observations that we want to touch on today from 
the first preseason game of the year. And we got to start with this. We got our first look at the offensive line, the revamped offensive line. And there was a lot of good things to take away from this group. Granted, against a depleted front from the San Francisco 49ers, still a good showing, a dominant showing from the offensive line, Maddie. Yeah, and they came out from the very first play, and you just kind of saw a little bit of a shift in attitude. I believe the first play they came out was with a little bit of a split zone because Travis Kelsey came across the backfield. He was kicking out your defensive end, but you just saw the movement the offensive line was able to get. You saw a nice reach block by Trey Smith. He was able to drive the three-tech kind of beyond the middle of the line of scrimmage. Lucas Niang was able to get up and connect on the second level, left a big open cutback lane for Clyde Odenzi-Lair, who found it. He got six yards downfield before anyone touched him. It was a good, easy 10-yard gain. And this is the kind of stuff that didn't come easily for the Chiefs last year. As the game went on, the first string offensive line wasn't in there a ton, but you just saw how good of a pocket Chad Henney Patrick Mahomes for like one play had out there and they were <laughs> able to sit back there step up into a pocket that was just almost always there for them I think this first team offensive line played incredibly well yeah totally agree with that I I think we all had some questions about what this offensive line was going to look like particularly the rookies and the young guys and honestly Trey Smith is grabbing all the headlines I, and I mean, I, I get it. You know, everybody wants to talk about Trey Smith. Creed Humphrey was very good. Lucas Niang played a lot better than I think any of us expected going yes. into this. Like there, there was a lot of worry, a lot of hand wringing about Lucas Niang himself. And honestly, he was good. He he held his own. He did what he needed to do. So, from that perspective, I have a lot of hope. I have a, a, this is a good high bar to start at. We know they're going to get better from here. The communication is going to get better. They're going to work together a lot better. I know that this is going to be an improved offensive line as the year goes along. So here we go. They're going to get better. Drive that Trey train. Let's and let's get Creed Humphrey on the wagon <laughs> as well. I, I, I don't have a, a train one for that. What I did want to talk about just real briefly here. I do have notes, guys. Oh, my. But I did want to talk about Look at this man. Chiefs ran more gap than they have gap schemes than they have under Andy Reid today in a preseason game. That wow. tells you that they are planning to use it. They are planning to implement it far more often than we have seen it in Andy Reid's not just tenure in Kansas City, but his tenure in Philadelphia as well. This is a shift that is coming. We've been talking about it all year. Preseason week one, we saw it, and we saw it in a very effective way. Clyde Edwards-Alaire was able to get out in space. Trey Smith was able to get around the horn and blow some stuff open. It was good. It was what we needed to see. And frankly, I'm ridiculously excited about all the different things that they're going to be able to do with this offensive line now. Yeah, you can go back and find an extremely detailed breakdown of, of gap scheme, what it is and how a lot of the individual players here that are in Kansas City now have used it in the past or have been part of offensive that he used in the past. Craig, it's back it, as I think as early as June. Craig was writing and working on some of that stuff. So he's been on that beat. That's a credit to him uh, for the work he put in to, to kind of put that whole thing together. It's really good stuff. It was. I and mean, you, you mentioned Lucas Niang. I think that was a really positive showing for him. Now, I... It, this is this is day one or this is game one. There's a lot of time left here still, and there's going to be bigger challenges. There's going to be teams maybe more apt to use their full complement of players uh, in the next, perhaps next week. You're going to see 
uh, maybe maybe a team, you know, maybe a little bit more um, firepower for this group to try to go up against. But I think you got to look and say, you know, past the first test, a lot of good happened in that short amount of time that the whole first team offense was on on the field and, and the offensive line, I thought, did a fantastic job. A lot of fun to watch. And there was a couple runs there that were they're they're pretty nice. Uh, all right, mm-hmm. so the defensive line, you know, this 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 team, the trenches, both sides of them. There's a lot of interesting storylines. We look at the defensive line too, and there's plenty of interesting storylines there up front too, Craig. Yeah, I mean, everybody wanted to see Chris Jones at defensive end. Chris Jones looked, I think, like we expected him to look at defensive end. He was able to stack the edge well. He didn't look quite as fluid in space, and the 49ers definitely tried to take advantage of that getting to the edge and talk about a player that improved in that regard in a little <laughs> bit here but chris jones at that lighter weight still looked just as dynamic on the inside that's where his sack came from i thought he looked really really good you know and, and i think that was the thing that everybody was hanging on but i think what was most important was that everybody looked really good along the defensive line colin saunders thrust into the starting lineup because derek Nandi did not play today colin saunders had himself a terrific game tershawn wharton lived in the backfield especially against the backups there mike dana played a ridiculously smart football game and was able to contain a lot of the stuff that the 49ers were trying to do and jaron reed looked really good as well tim ward looked really good as well like all of this stuff was terrific. This is the type of stuff that you are hoping to see. I, as I said in the pregame show, you hope that this defensive line is able to dominate an offensive line that was frankly a little bit depleted. They did on every single level. It was, you know, it wasn't just the first team, it was the second team as well. And some of the third team guys really, really, really looked good out there today. Yeah, that was one of my biggest takeaways was simply that the entire defensive line, I think, played pretty well. I don't know if Joshua Kando showed up entirely as well as everybody else, except for everyone else made big plays. Tim Ward down the stretch, I mean, he had a sack towards the end. He looked like a really good, just on the edge as a pass rusher. As the game went on, he was the guy making a lot of plays. As Craig touched on, Colin Saunders actually played one of his best series of football mm-hmm. for the Chiefs. And I know it's a preseason game. It doesn't matter a ton, but this is as good as he's ever looked in a Chiefs uniform was this particular game, which is what you want to see. I think Chris Jones was dominant when the 49ers weren't stretching him out. And this is something we do. Kind of, I think Kent's talked about it a little bit too in the past. If teams can isolate Chris Jones in space on the backside from some plays using misdirection, what does he look like? I think he's just got to be a little bit more patient. This is an issue that Chris Jones has had even on the interior. He likes to chase the quarterback or the ball that he sees 24-7. As a defensive end, there's times where he's going to have to play a little bit more patient. So he's got to learn. He's got to adjust. But I think he will because he's been excellent the rest of the time while he was out there. I'm excited to see this entire defensive line because if Frank Clark comes back, if Taco Charlton gets out there, Alex Okafor, and these guys play it the way they can, this defensive line is looking to be like one of the best strengths, not just for the team, but almost in the entire NFL. I have some defensive line takes, but yes, Wes, I did see the mention down there uh, in all the comments we're getting this. Yeah, this probably is the most unique place I'll get to record this year. And I'm just telling you, if if you are in the Wichita area, Fielder's Choice, Tommy is probably one of the best teachers here in the city. So just make sure. You know, if you've got kids that need some, you know, need some development, loving the game of baseball, you know, want to want to play a little bit more, 
this facility has been a lot of fun. We've we've been basically just hanging out like kids in the candy store here for the entire like afternoon. So uh, we played me and Beach were playing catch a little bit earlier. We might have got some pitching wedges out and played in a big space. So we had a lot of fun. But anyways, back to the defensive line. Sorry. Um, <laughs> I I just OK. So Colin Saunders, no expectations really whatsoever. Right. I mean, we're just kind of like, you know, I probably making the roster third round pick probably worth getting another shot. Hasn't really had you know, a ton of, you know, opportunities the last couple of years because of injury and all that stuff. Right. So, but we're not, I, our, I don't think our job is necessarily to speak and dream and imagine and hope, right. Our dream, our, our, I think our job and our conversations that we have is we try to be realistic. We try to set realistic expectations for what we're seeing with this football team. I'm going to dream for just a second because all the defensive linemen that you saw today that are making this football team put good tape on for the most part. I mean, if, if Colin Saunders provides anything of value this year, that's massive. That's massive for this football team. We didn't come into this season with any real expectation for Colin Saunders. We've had the conversation about if Colin Saunders would even make the team. And the fact that he put out some decent tape today is a really positive sign. You don't go into any season hoping or you know banking on certain things and certain players, but you, you get somebody like Colin Saunders in the mix taking a step. That's big for this football team. Not getting excited yet. There's a lot of time, right? There's a lot of time remaining. But you at least just being just having your interest peaked in a few players maybe you weren't expecting, kind of fun. I think it's kind of fun. So cornerback three, you know, there's a lot of players on paper. It's kind of there's a lot of players on paper. The expectations aren't super high for this group. The the, the third cornerback, you know, Charvarius Ward, LeJerry Sneed, very obviously your top two corners. But now you know, Mike Hughes, DeAndre Baker, Rashad Fenton. Also, put some good tape out today, Maddie. Kent, quit telling me what to do with my expectations. I am taking those bad boys <laughs> up to the roof for cornerback three because all of these guys played excellent. I mean, I'm only partially kidding. I do think all three of them played really, really well. I think early on in the game, Mike Hughes was playing, I thought he was playing exceptionally well. He was kind of playing exactly how I would think he would play when he was on the outside. He was protecting getting beat deep. He was playing over the top of a lot of stuff coming downhill, making plays on ball carriers in front of him. And I thought he looked really well doing so. And so I thought he had a pretty good foothold in that cornerback three spot. I thought he looked like he belonged out there. He was playing good. Then DeAndre Baker came along and said, oh, well, watch this. Let me just make like three different plays on the football, whether he was sinking underneath a deep out route above him, whether he was, was breaking, breaking on an out route that was coming across the middle of the field. Like he played really good. He was getting off of his spot, keeping his eyes on the quarterback and watching where the football went. Fitton made some nice drives and some passes underneath. So I do think they all played well. If I had to say which one of these guys I think played the best from this game though, I'd give my nod to DeAndre Baker. And I wasn't expecting that after watching Mike Hughes. Like that really took me by surprise. He looked like he was dealing with cramps or some form of kind of lower body nagging. I don't want to say injury, but just something looked like it was bothering him. He came off the field for a little bit, but then came back. So I do want to see Baker get more snaps. I like the way that he was able to attack the ball. He was able to play kind of on all three levels of the defense, whereas Hughes was mostly making plays underneath. So right now, Baker would be my front runner for that third cornerback spot. I mean, uh, and I wouldn't be surprised to see him get a few more snaps in front of Hughes and see those two guys kind of flip-flop 
throughout the preseason to see who handles it the best. But both of them, frankly, were terrific. And for a lot of the reasons that we've talked about all offseason, they're they're good tacklers. They're very physical. They love to drive on things underneath. And DeAndre Baker, I think that, that play that you saw him sink on that play just really shows his spatial awareness, especially in zone, something that he did very well in college as well so it translates well and in a spagnolo scheme where you're going to have a safety help over the top these guys aren't the fastest crew in the in the nfl by any means but having that safety help over the top allows them to play that sort of physical allows them to play the way that they like to play and that they're most comfortable so it was good not just to see one of these guys play well these are good problems to have because all three of those guys are going to make the roster Rashad Fenton appears to be the backup nickel they're gonna need it so I do really really think that these are just things that Sam Madison and Steve Spagnuolo get to figure out now you got three guys playing well play the one that's on the hot streak play the one that knows the scheme the best and just go from there knowing that you've got depth behind it something the Chiefs haven't had all that well over the past couple of years. That's what we call a good problem. And good I think, problem. you know, the, the cornerback situation is again, like on paper, there's some intriguing guys. It doesn't know if you, you don't know if you can bank on them entirely, but then they all go out and put great tape on this competition that these guys are all in for opportunities is very obviously breeding some really good results. I was, I don't know if either of you mentioned like Deandre Baker stayed on top of a post route today too. Oh, like yeah. He carried vertically decently as mm-hmm. well. I don't I don't know if the guy he was going with is particularly fast, but like he did just about everything you could want. Like I mean, he he was in the run game, like he was he was a part of the run fit. He was, you know, sinking underneath that play and, and actually making a play on the football, carried vertically. There's a lot of good things. I don't think you should be alarmed whatsoever about DeAndre Baker's snap count tonight and any indication be, that he played later into the game that it has something to do necessarily with his status on this roster, I think they really wanted to get him a lot of reps because this guy hasn't played a lot of football in the last couple of years. I mean, even last year, week 17 was his only opportunity for real meaningful snaps in a, in a game. And, you know, after his rookie year, so he hasn't had a ton of opportunities. Snaps were very important for him and it was good to see him get a lot. And he made a lot of different plays in a lot of different ways in his opportunities. I mean, when we'll I, maybe we'll talk a little bit about about Mike Hughes on special teams too, because I mean, you gotta feel good about some of these guys. Like there's there's not a there's a lot of known commodities on this football team, and that's part of what makes being a Chiefs fan right now so great. Is you have the best player in the world, you have one of the best receivers in the world, one of the best tight ends in the world, one of the best defensive linemen in the world, one of the best the best safety in the world. There I said it. Um, you know, you've got all these guys and. You know, there's so many known commodities on this football team, and then like the fringe guys on the roster, there's not a ton of dudes that you're, you know, that are really, you know, this this roster's settled. So all these seeing all these guys come out and and, and take steps is, yeah, it's it's exciting. It's good. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not been it's not been all you know perfect. I don't think the uh, you know just you know it, it, the, everything about this game was not sunshine and roses. Right. There's a little bit of concern seeing how many snaps Juan Thornhill played. Um, and, I, you know, we kind of had this. I kind of tried to me and Maddie were talking the DMs and I kind of wanted to paint it as, you know, Juan Thornhill probably needs some opportunities to get some confidence back. He needs some opportunities to get some reps, too. But, Maddie, I think to your point, you kind of you kind of push back on that a little bit. 
Well, yeah, just a little bit because, I mean, Juan Thornhill through his first two seasons has had the opportunity to play a lot of reps. As a rookie, he played up until, what was it, week 15 or 16? I think yeah. it was week 16. He played all the way up there. Yeah. He got injured and missed the playoff run, but he got a lot of reps that year. Then last year, it did take Thornhill a while to get his legs under him, recovering from the injury, but he yeah. was available. He was with the team. He was getting all the mental work done. Down the stretch last year, he looked like he was moving better in the playoffs. He looked like he was flying around a little bit. So here's a guy that I think all Chiefs fans have him just sky-high expectations for because of how good we have seen him be, even in the NFL. But it seems like every time there's a little bit of a step forward, it's almost like there's a small step back. And you've gotten to the point now to where the Chiefs clearly feel more comfortable playing Dan Sorensen over him at yeah. any point in time. They went so far. Juan Thornhill played in the second half of this preseason game. Like that's not something anybody would have expected during his stretch as a rookie where he was earning starter reps for this team. He looked like he was on the way to being a star. And now we've seen him kind of get dialed back. He's been pushed into this backup or just rotational role. And even in this game, he did make some plays. He came downhill pretty good early on in the game and made some nice tackles, yeah. but he also got like flattened. I don't know what happened. He just fell over trying to cover a tight end on a little corner route at the goal line. And it just didn't look good there always seems to be just a mistake right around the corner for Thornhill right now. So I do understand why he would need reps. I just, if you're thinking he's able to return to his rookie form, you wouldn't expect to see him on the field going into the second half of this preseason game. And make no mistake, we love Juan Thornhill. Like, massive Juan Thornhill I, fans. I, massive Juan Thornhill fans. Uh, we have been since the Chiefs drafted him. An explosive athlete, a ball hawk, a dude that can be a true deep safety, a single high deep safety. One of the very few guys on this roster that can play with that kind of range. So to see him not getting reps, and this is not even to slay Dan, Dan Sorensen, but I think you would hope that you would be able to put the better athlete in year three of the system onto the field a little bit more regularly than it seems like the Chiefs are ready to do right now. Throughout camp, Dan Sorensen has been the primary option. Here in this preseason game, Dan Sorensen was the primary option. And not just that, Juan Thornhill played into and through the third quarter of this game. Now, I understand that you may have, you know, not great safety depth and everything like that, but they did have guys they could put in. Injuries happen. Things happen. You get guys in to get reps. It was very purposeful that Juan Thornhill was playing these reps. And that stinks sometimes because, I mean, Juan Thornhill is an awesome guy that I think brings something truly special to this team. So I just, uh, man, I just, it, it's just really, really rough to see it not work out. And to bring in somebody to talk about it. <laughs> a good pal. That was really smooth. That was really smooth, wasn't it? That was really smooth. Nailed, no, nailed it. We were trying to get on from before and I uh, apologize for jumping in here now, but uh, we got some audio issues figured out and I think we've got the, we think we got it figured out now, Kent. We're getting there. Yeah. We, we've, we have got that part of it figured out. So I want to jump here on the Juan Thornhill because as Kent and I were watching the game, you know, it, early on, it seemed like he made some nice plays coming up and cleaning up on the back end at the free safety. That's exactly what you want to see. Um, and that was kind of the thing that stood out to me his rookie year as a player coming out of Virginia that all we talked about was ball skills, his ability to the instincts, reading, 
reading plays, reading route combinations, being able to make plays on the ball. So it was always standing out when he looked physical, especially when he came in last year and he just had gained some weight, gained some muscle. So for him to make some plays with the physicality coming off the knee injury, and I know he played a little bit last year, and I know we talk about that next year after the ACL uh, rehab. Um, not to say anything about the, the playing coverage was a bad play, the one that everyone's going to remember. But it's also important to remember that was one play that, again, everyone's going to remember. That was one play of a lot. And there were yeah. there was something for him to build on when he watches that tape. It's probably not going to love that play, but there's a lot there to work on. And it's exactly what you want to see as guys get a little bit better. I think tonight overall was a great night for Thornhill. Um, individually, I think when they watch film, maybe not from a fan perspective because people are going to remember that one play. And this, and this team needs Juan Thornhill. I mean, they, they need him to be a more consistent player. They need him to be a guy to pick to rely on. And if he can step back and come back and get some of the stuff he's been able to do, that's going to be big for him. Yeah, that's going to be big for this football team. All right, special teams. we got to talk about special teams. I Unfortunately, Tucker's not here. And that would have been a lot of fun so he could give us a full breakdown. Uh, but our former special teams expert, Craig Stout. Real quick, speaking of Tucker, I think, I think we have to mention this, that – Tucker we do. told Tommy Townsend to kick some bombs tonight. And guess what happened? Tommy Townsend did just that. Like that is advice straight from Tucker D. Franklin to Tommy Townsend, who brought in the 66-yard punt down to the one-yard line. So I just I, we needed to get that in there because that's advice from Tucker. <laughs> yeah. Um Tucker talks to Tommy now because you know he he's got a very important kick to make here. A 35-yarder for for a jersey. But uh, no, uh, special teams was uh, honestly incredible. And that's the thing that uh, that's the thing that preseason games are really important for. A lot of these guys that are fringe rasterable guys are competing for those special team snaps. That's where they can show out. That's where they can make the team. We know Dave Tobe. We routinely make you know jokes about dave tobe's contributions to this you know roster here you trying to make me screw up (laughs) (laughs) roster and and so it's good to see instances where this group looks well coached looks really good he's got a lot of choices to make mike hughes was phenomenal as a kick returner both kick and punt returner i thought that he was excellent on both but bj you have something to say you want to kick in here? I was going into Kent because we got to mute each other if one of us is going to talk. But I was going to say, I don't think people realize how much I mess with you guys during shows and different things that I'm doing behind the scenes. So uh, we're trying to have laid back, have a lot of fun with this. So anyone yeah. who's listening, if you have questions, please ask us questions. I'm watching and I will keep bringing them in. If you make fun of Craig or if you have really positive things to say about a man that builds jets, then just uh, go ahead and send those to us, whether you're watching on Facebook, YouTube. Uh, Twitter, wherever you're watching Periscope, you send us feed, you send us uh, comments, questions. They're going right into the same feed, and we'll put them right into the show. So let us know what you got. And for anyone who is listening that is not yet a subscriber to the YouTube channel, please pound that subscribe real quick. We do eight shows a week starting this fall. Five of them are going to be talking consistently about the Chiefs. The other three are college, KUK State, Mizzou. We will take care of you in all that way. A lot of fun stuff. Let's get back to Chiefs talk. Yeah. Uh, Jerick McKinnon, also. Looked really good. Um, I, I felt like, I, listen, man, you know, the, 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 there was a lot of good plays by a lot of the guys that we've been talking about as like the third or fourth options on the depth chart. So I, I'm very happy with the way that this works. And that's even before I mention a 
yard bomb by Tommy Townsend down to the one yard line. Just a phenomenal punt, a coffin corner, one of the better punts that I've ever seen. So uh, lots of lots of really, really, really positive things to take away from special teams this week. Do you think Tommy got that trick from Tucker? Like, do you think that was like a trade secret that was shared behind I mean, closed doors? Definitely. Definitely. Okay. Like, I'd, unquestionably. <laughs> okay. Oh, somebody wants to go to Mars someday, just like the big institution. Buddy, like, you got to get in line. I've called <laughs> his next rover. Like, I get to control it. I'm not going to be there, but I get to control it. But after that, you're up. Uh, as far as special teams goes, though. So, Jarek McKinnon was out there. I think that was a big thing to see because he hasn't played special teams reps besides being a returner since, like, his second year in the NFL. So, seeing him out there as a gunner and on kick coverage, that was nice to see. That lets you know that he's working to earn a role beyond just as a running back on this roster. Oh, he's, he's, he's making, making the, the football team. Oh, agreed. I don't think there's any question now. It was just I did want to see him play special teams besides being a returner. That's just something he hadn't done since early on with Minnesota. What you got, BJ? We got a great question from the group here. I just dropped it in. What is the equivalent real-life luxury of having this punter on a team that won't? So, Kent, since you seem to be so fast with everything all the time, <laughs> you get to go yes. first on what's a equivalent real-life luxury of having a guy like Tommy Townsend that can move at 66 yards and drop it at the one-yard line. It, it's it's like, like having, having a Ferrari, Ferrari and, and living, living in Manhattan. Manhattan. What? Not, Not bad. bad? You just made fun of Manhattan to a K-Stater, didn't you? Manhattan, Manhattan New, New York. York. You're, You're so, so vain. You're saving yourself. You're making fun of Manhattan. We'll talk. We have a three-hour car ride back to Kansas City. Together. I think it's more like it's having okay. Craig's IQ and only going to Mars and not getting out to Pluto. I was going to say that it's like having a Gulfstream 700 and only flying it from like uh, Wichita to, to Hutchison, like a little 15 minute up and down flight. This, and you've got a joke to, that everyone's going to get to everybody. I'm a very relatable man. You all know me. All right. I'm going to say the real, hold on. I'm going to say the real life equivalent luxury of having a punter like this is having a podcast producer like Tucker Franklin. Because <laughs> that guy absolutely crushes it for us. And you're going to see us give him a hard time and all that, but we absolutely love Tucker. And he is absolutely crushing it for KC Sports Network. So um, I love that it took not even one training camp, like three weeks for Tucker to have a brand already talking special teams, which is amazing. But uh, Peter Y. Golf, one of our top supporters, thank you. That was a great question. I don't even right. know where we were in special teams talk, so I'm just going to wrap up the only other thing I had for special teams. DiCaprio Boodle was playing with like your first team unit of special teams. I think that's just something that's worth noting. He's a guy that's been out there shadowing Legereus Sneed at time in terms of like on the defensive side, so it does seem like he's in some kind of defensive backfield rotation and seeing him out there on special teams at the first team, he's probably making the team, if I were to guess right now, just based on that kind of stuff. And Jarek McKinnon, Sharpie. In my opinion. All right. Special, all right let's, let's, let's talk about players that their stock is up. Okay. After, after you know, what we saw today, players that stock is up. Maddie? 
So I'm going to have to go with Tim Ward. I mentioned him briefly earlier, but this team right now is in kind of the market for having who's going to be the designated pass rusher. Is it going to be Taco Charlton based on some of the efficiency that he showed last year before he got injured? Is it going to be Alex Okafor, who never was quite as good of a run defender as he, with the Chiefs as he was with the Saints? He was always a better pass rusher. Like, who is going to show up and be that designated pass rusher off the edge? Tim Ward might be inserting his name into that mix. I don't think he's the burstiest guy. I don't think he's the bendiest guy, but he's got good length. His technique is improving year after year. He was a guy that was brought in as an undrafted free agent, given a redshirt year, and you can just kind of see the development taking hold. I thought he looked really good in this game. Yes, he timed the snap on one of his sacks, but he got off the ball quick. Then he used his length really well. So I just think Tim Ward is kind of a guy that could be inching closer and closer to getting real snaps before injuries come through. BJ, who you got? For which part? So I was messing with the program. Stock up. This is why we need Tucker. Stock up. Listen, this is Tucker, why we Tucker, need Tucker. Tucker can I know. I'm trying to do like seven things right now. And that's it. You see all of us communicating and nodding. For people who are watching the show, that's how we're communicating what's happening right now. Um, anyway. EJ's over here. Hey, what's up, guys? Um, yeah, no, uh, you guys talked about him a lot. That's why I got confused. Jer- Jet McKinnon um, was the guy that from the beginning that I thought had a great day, um, showed some speed. I don't know about the kick return, but a lot of the the pass catching stuff out of the backfield, I was high on him from the moment that they signed him. I thought it was a great pickup, and that was in no way a knock on Darrell Williams, in my opinion, has been one of my favorite guys that I've watched. I love his story. I love what he's about. I love the way that he goes to work every day and the way that he approaches his craft. So I always thought Darrell Williams was going – was that was, Jer- Jer- Jet McKinnon had nothing to do with Darrell Williams in that way. Uh, it may have something to do with Darwin Thompson, who I thought ran the ball hard. W- what we saw from yeah. Darwin Thompson today was um, – what? I saw I saw your chat. Confusing. I've, I'll you know, go. We're, these people want to see how the sausage is made. Let's just let them have it. See what's going on right now. First, it's, it's first, first go-round. It's the preseason for us, too. too. I don't <laughs> think there's any problem. People, we're having conversation about the Chiefs. Having, having a good, good time. time. Mute quick. I thought you were telling me to mute my mic. That's why I was confused. I was just I was saying, saying whatever you were doing. Oh, yeah, yeah. Got you. Um, yeah, no, I think it may have had something to do with Darwin Thompson, but I thought we saw the best of what Darwin Thompson does for a guy who's 5'8". I know they made a point of it on the broadcast, but um, he ran hard, and he runs hard for a guy of his size, and he's doing everything he can to make that roster – this guy is very, very motivated from being around him. So um, I thought that was a good sign. But Jarrett McKinnon, I thought, showed that he not only could make the roster, but there are positions that Andy Reid could get him in in the passing game that are going to be beneficial for this team at different points throughout the season. Yeah, yeah there's there definitely some explosive plays, for sure. Okay, right, so, so for, for me, I talked a little bit about Colin Sanders earlier. And, and Trishon Ward is another guy I don't want to be over Because he, he had, had a very good day as well. well. His ability to rush, rush the pass is very obvious. And it, it was, was obvious in St. Joseph as well. So, getting to see him, you know, make, make a lot of plays and really be disruptive, continue to show that ability that he had earlier, you know, last year. It's still there. there. He's, he's going to be a nice, a nice little, little piece, piece of this. this. He's, he's another piece of the puzzle. The defensive line, it looks like a lot of fun. I'm really, I'm really excited to see this group here. Well, my guy, let's see, I, I'd like to take one of my guys, but, you know, you guys already talked about DiCaprio Boodle and Tim Ward, you know, guys that I've been talking about for a little bit, a little while here. Bootleg. You talk about DiCaprio Bootleg. Boodle is what Trent Green called him. I'm going with that. But <laughs> I'm going to talk about another one of my guys, Anthony Hitchens. 
Anthony Hitchens looked – he came out at the beginning of this game like a house on fire. Uh, the jet sweep that they ran to Brandon, I, Brandon Ayuk was chased down by Anthony Hitchens from the Mike linebacker spot. Ben Neiman was aligned to the wide side there, and Anthony Hitchens was able to chase that down from the Mike linebacker spot, really preventing a massive game. It was still a big game, but from the Mike spot, that's a tough thing to do. And then he proceeded to follow that up with two plays back-to-back where he slipped into the backfield and created a cutback and then made a tackle for no gain. So those are the types of things that you want to see out of your linebacker. That's the sorts of things that I think everybody wanted to see out of Anthony Hitchens all along. We know what he brings to the table from a play-calling standpoint, from an on-field pre-snap standpoint. Now all of a sudden he shows up and he's playing faster, lighter and still hitting really hard looked like he had a little bit of extra flexibility i was very 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 pleased with the way that anthony hitchens started this game i i'm getting a little bit hyped for what we might see out of anthony hitchens this season a good season this year goes so far for this chiefs defense it 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 would just be immense and he didn't even have his nose tackle playing in front of him a guy that he's comfortable running off of so very very impressed by anthony hitchens light thinny hitchens light thinny hitchens i like that just moving moving well all right, and this for Baltimore Xanax to close it out. I'll give you my thoughts on the offense since I missed the first part of the show as we figure out some audio stuff. But I thought all anyone wanted to see from tonight, besides no one getting hurt, hopefully Darius Harris, uh, who left with a hand injury, I think it was the only one that we saw. Hopefully that wasn't too serious. But um, I think the offensive line is what people wanted to know about. They wanted to see Orlando Brown. They wanted to see Trey Smith. They wanted to see Creed Humphrey. Joe Thune, all these guys get out there and move the ball. And I thought they were moving bodies at different times. I know you guys, all you nerds got out there and start talking about all these gap schemes that you guys have been talking about from the beginning, all offseason, uh, kind of illustrating what you thought it was going to be when they started bringing in guys like Trey Smith or Joe Thune. And they started make Orlando Brown. They brought in these guys and you kind of teased, hey, I think this might be something. And you were right. And we saw it tonight. And we saw not only the schemes that you talked about, but we saw bodies being moved. Saw Clyde Edwards Elaire get in the open field, get to the second level before anybody got near him on a couple of runs. Um, and you know, again, they're not doing anything super fancy, but that is the exact sign that you wanted to see um, from the offensive line is just bodies being moved. We haven't seen that with an Andy Reid offensive line uh, in my time uh, and right before Andy Reid got there. It was always smaller, fast guys who can get out of an angle, get down the field. It wasn't necessarily always guys who could just physically move a bunch of people. Not that the guys can't do that. Uh, but in general, guys who can can move a little bit and get out in space. So I thought that was really, really good to see. Um, I don't this tonight's another good example of why I don't like how we build up certain players. And now I'm gonna go a little preachy here to end this show. Um, because I think this is important as uh is anybody I'm gonna answer this last one. How short was the sixty two yard field goal? Oh, like I did not foot. see it. Like it was, was, it really that close? It was- so he definitely close. makes it from 60, probably 61, but I definitely yeah. makes it from 60. Yeah, got it. All I got was the, it was short. I was like, hey, how short was that? But anyway, <laughs> um, this is the one thing I do want to say about, and Noah Gray is the guy that kind of comes to mind. Noah Gray is a rookie, never played in the NFL before, and he was kind of anointed from out throughout the offseason as being a guy who's going to get in and do this and do that. And I know 
on our 21 questions for our subscribers only, we talked about this. How many personnel groupings out of 12 personnel are they going to run anyway at best if Travis Kelsey is healthy? So at a minimum, we were already kind of putting a lot of pressure on these are human beings. And I have never talked to Noah Gray. I've never talked to anybody on the Chiefs about Noah Gray. I, this is just my feelings that we tend to do this with the preseason, that we kind of anoint these young kids before they've even proven it on an NFL field. And when they go out there and they have a game like Noah Gray did, where if we weren't anointing him all offseason, nobody would think about it. But now everybody was had their eyes on him and they're putting all this pressure. And now he feels like he's going to let down all of this because of this outside noise that kind of pumped him up. And that is a very real thing. And that is the kind of stuff that Andy Reid doesn't like people getting caught up in. They don't want the players thinking about that. And the media, it's not their fault either because they want to hype up. They get excited about guys that they see. It's just kind of the way that it is. But just as fans understand that before we go say anything about this guy's performance, that guy's performance, when we're talking about first or the first time these guys got out there. So a uh, little preachy, but that's always mentally where I come from on these things. When I see a, a game like Noah Gray's, I don't want to say like, hey, it was a terrible game because he dropped one pass in one situation. Uh, we've seen that with a lot of guys. So hopefully he goes out there and plays really well, but let's kind of keep um, some perspective on at best where are these guys going to be because uh, he's not taking and it's Travis his first in game. Away. I mean, it's his yeah, first NFL exactly. game. Like, I mean, yeah, he's but, under the lights. It's there's he's playing in front of a crowd. It was so weird to me. I, I during the Chiefs broadcast, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire mentioned this is the first time that he's played in front of a crowd in an NFL thing. You know, <laughs> the full crowd like that. And it was just like, wow, yeah, of course. But I mean, it is his first game. Cornell Powell's the same way, running with you know, kind of the third stringers, maybe a little bit with a fourth in the fourth quarter. There, guys that are rookies. Guys that are later, you know, day three guys, we'll get there. Like, I, I, you don't hit the eject button on those guys after one week for certain. So I, I'm very interested to see how they respond, how they react. I know there's going to be tons of articles, tons of things said about both of those guys, but I'm pressing pause on that until we get a little bit further just to wait and see how they respond to that sort of stuff. And, you know, where you can find a lot of those articles – is the KCSN Substack? Sorry, you just ah. put it on a T for me, and I'm going to take it. Go. Sorry, Matt. Sorry to interrupt. I was just going to say that Devin Key was another guy I wanted to put in that same role because yeah. a lot yeah. of people are going to crush yeah. him for that big long touchdown. But he's a young undrafted kid coming out of Western Kentucky where he didn't really play deep safety, and he gets beat by a deep double move that he's probably never seen that route combination before. <laughs> against an NFL player with NFL player speed. Like, it's okay that that happened. This is where he learns. This is where he gets better. He did came back, and he had a solid game after that. So don't let one play from a rookie where they make a mistake just cloud everything else that happened. Yep. I was just adding yep. on, and I ruined BJ's great transition. So, like, I don't know where <laughs> no, we go. No, that was no, great. No, no, plug in. <laughs> while it was a pretty sick segue and transition in there and a little, <laughs> nice little plug, uh, that was a really good point, and I'm glad that it was on the show and is more important than mine. Um because I, yeah, I think perspective and grace for all of these young guys getting out there for the, for the first time. As much as we think it's about showing out and scoring touchdowns, these guys are trying to make a, trying to do a job. Like they're trying to make a team um, on one of the best teams in the NFL. So, uh, anyway, thank you guys so much, everybody, for tuning in and for asking questions on whatever platform you've been watching. This is the first time we've tried something like this. We will have a live post game show during the season. Um, more information on that as we have a new partner that uh, we haven't yet announced. Uh, a lot of cool stuff that we're going to be doing with that post-game show. But uh, thank you so much. Earlier today, I know we talked about it, but Emprise Bank, um, Aggie, Jackie, all the folks over there that met us, showed us a lot, 
I say showed us a lot of love, but they took care of us when we were over there. And it was really, really cool um, to try to do something new and different and try to do some cool stuff. We did the pregame show over there. We're doing a postgame show actually at uh, Tommy Bryant's baseball facility called Fielder's Choice here in Wichita, Kansas. For anybody who's watching, uh, Tommy and I were college roommates. He's the best man at my wedding, full disclosure. And we needed a spot that we could record it. Uh, almost midnight uh, for this post game show, so I called my best man because I knew he'd open up his baseball facility for us, and uh, it's huge and awesome. So, if, hey, I'm gonna give him a commercial at the end of this. He's opened this thing for us. He's been hanging out the whole night. So, anyway, thank you guys so much for watching. Uh, we're gonna continue to do a lot of shows like this. Um, Outside the trenches, our show that we are recording Sunday night. Uh, as of right now, we have a special guest to help us talk a little O line. Uh, with some young guys. I'm not going to name any names, but that is going to be a show that I know you guys are going to want to watch talking about this offensive line after tonight's performance. And then obviously the rest of the great content that you find on KC Sports Network. We appreciate more than you guys know all of your support, particularly the day ones uh, who have been with us and supporting everything. So please subscribe to the YouTube channel, subscribe to the Substack. If you really, really want good content, you can pay the $40 a year. We've got that for about two more weeks. Uh, it's $40 a year, and then it goes up to 50 starting September 1st because that's when the season starts. So uh, anyway, thank you guys all so much for watching. Give us your input. Let us know what you're thinking. Thank you guys for all your comments in the section. We do all see them, and uh, we will see you next time. Peace. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.